Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Oh, Sydney. Bad news. I gained two pounds again this week. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. It's all right. But it's that time of year. There's just so much good stuff to eat, and it's so cold. You don't want to go outside. You watch, though. Next year, as soon as next year rolls around, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna get out there. I'm going to get this ship righted. I'm going to ride That's the bike. That's good. We got, we got a kid to take care of. We got to get in shape. I know. I'm going to ride the bike. Okay, what else are you going to do? Eat a little healthier. Okay, I like those things. Those are both good ideas. And of course, going to kick it off right with a giganto cleanse. With a cleanse? Lemon juice, honey, mint, water, Tabasco. Cleanse it. Where did you... Blow it out. Oh, ooh. Where did you hear about that? Put it on TV, probably. I don't know. I don't keep track of that kind of stuff. That's... Just errata. What, what are you trying to accomplish? Cleanse it. Like, I know, but wait. Okay, so it's a cleanse. Blow it like, out. Right. I mean, that's graphic. You but ever what? go into your, uh, your, your attic and just clean all the cobwebs out and just blow it all out? No, I've never cleaned the cobwebs out of the attic. I'm terrified of our attic. But Yeah, but like, what if you weren't? You'd probably get up there and just blow it out, you know? I don't, I don't, um... So you think that there are cobwebs inside your colon that you're no, trying to... metaphorical meat-based uh, cobwebs from just like all the terrible food I've been eating. Right. This is already, I can see, going to be the grossest episode we've ever done. What's the problem with cleanses? If teeth really bothered you. <laughs> What's the problem with cleanses? Well, I just want to blow it out. Okay. Well, how about we talk about cleanses? Let's talk about, let's talk about all things uh, colonic. All right, hit me. Let's talk about cleanses. Let's talk about constipation. Let's talk about some enemas. What do you think? Cleanses are hot right now. I can't imagine they're an an old person thing. They're so now. I feel like they probably came or invented like five years ago. No. But first, before I tell you how long, how old they are, let me go ahead and thank two people. Okay. Um, Beth and Aaron. Uh, The reason I thank both of you is that uh, one of you suggested constipation. One of you suggested cleanses and... We're going to talk about both. Um, so thank you so much. Blow them both out. Yeah. So, uh, Justin, as you um, mistakenly guessed, the idea of a cleanse is not new. It is very old. The idea is actually ancient. Um, the Egyptians believed that food could collect in your gut and start to rot. And, and if it was in there too long, it would begin to release toxins uh, into your body and then into your bloodstream as well. Mm-hmm. 
This was the concept of auto-intoxication, meaning that, you know, you're intoxicating yourself from the inside out, basically, from the stuff you're eating. Uh, and this, this idea, which the ancient Egyptians came up with, permeates the idea of a cleanse all the way up to current, current concepts of, of colon health, which is kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Egyptians used enemas, mainly. Um, a lot of uh, colonic lavages, so like, do you, do you know what an enema is? Do you understand the they concept of an enema? They put a tube in your bottom, mm-hmm. and then they just blow it out. They blow it out. They shoot water in there. Right. And and the and when we're talking about enemas as opposed to people who get colonic irrigation and colonic hydrotherapy and that kind of thing, it's really just how far up you're going. An enema does not go very far. Um, yeah, you can you can give yourself an enema at home. Certainly we give them to patients in the hospital. It, it just cleans out the last bit of the colon, whereas a, a high colonic, so to speak, would clean out like a lot more of the colon. Um, but yeah, we just squirt water or the Egyptians used various herbal, you know, concoctions and just squirt it up there and let it run back out and take all of the toxins with it. Was the basic idea. Uh, the Greeks also thought that this was true. Um, and this makes sense if you think about the idea of the four humors, you know, they mm-hmm. spent a lot of time trying to get stuff out of their body through various orifices. Get it all balanced. Right. Get it out, whatever hole necessary. Exactly. So, you know, sometimes that involved making yourself throw up, self throw up, but then other times you had to, you know, get it out the back door. Right. Whatever, whatever it took. So, take um, no prisoners. <laughs> so, you could do an enema for just about anything. Um, Hippocrates would recommend them for fevers. So, any anything that ailed you, you could go ahead and and try an enema. Why not? Uh, they mainly use pure water enemas. Um, and they prescribe better them for, than dirty, I think. Better than dirty water enemas. I, if there was someone throughout history who prescribed dirty water enemas, not don't trust I that don't, guy. Don't I'm trust not, that doctor. I'm not aware of them, but they didn't add anything to it for the most part. Uh, they were just saying, no, 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 just squirt that water up your butt. Um, and they, like I said, they prescribed it for fevers, but also for headaches, asthma, colds, for childbirth, which was something that continued throughout history the idea that a woman needed an enema before childbirth Mm -hmm. and that's fairly recent that's something that i think we've mentioned that before that um your moms or your your grandmas might mention oh yeah before you give birth you have to have an enema we don't do that anymore but we did for a long time Hmm. um and along with the the medical benefits of enemas throughout these cultures in particular that we've already talked about Enemas had uh, a religious significance. A cleanse of any kind had a religious significance. So the easiest way you could cleanse yourself, and I think a lot of us are familiar with the significance of this, is fasting. So, oh, yeah. That's you know. similar, right? Right. You're not blowing anything up there, but you're just keeping anything new from going in. Right. So just like you know, fasting was a way to kind of purify yourself and uh, uh, clean yourself out, so to speak, spiritually in preparation for some kind of religious feast or something. Um, you could instead just, you know, instead of having to not eat for so long to clean your body out, just clean it all out at once. Speedy. It's a speedy, speedy cleanse. And in that way, you were not just purging yourself of physical toxins, but the idea was that you were uh, purging yourself of spiritual toxins. Because sometimes after a prolonged fast or a particularly 
righteous cleanse. <laughs> Super great cleanse. <laughs> you may feel that you have ascended to a higher level of consciousness. Or, or hungriness. Yes. You're probably just delirious from hunger, dehydration, and electrolyte imbalance. Might as well shoot some water up there. That's so, going to set you right as rain. And it, it was used in religious ceremonies. Not formal ones, I'm assuming. Yes, formal religious ceremonies. Oh, man. Yes, it was incorporated. And that's varied parts of the world. In Egypt, in India, China, in ancient Babylon, and in various parts of Africa, in their, you know, religious ceremonies, you would stop and (laughs) just, Just you know, blow it all out, as you said. Presumably after the offering. That is the time you want to do that. You You don't want them thinking like, oh, this church. We have to change churches, Valerie. (laughs) This place is terrible. Can you imagine the people who were like, they just moved to town and they were like, well, we need to find a church. Why don't we just, let's just try some different ones and see which one suits us, you know? Maybe our lady of, what are you doing back there? (laughs) I can't, being raised Catholic, I can't really imagine how that would fit into the religious ceremony. It's snug. Let me put it that way. (laughs) Um... I, you know, it just, it's all very quiet and peaceful. And I imagine, I mean, I don't know if you're, what, what kind of noises accompany like mass enemas. I don't want to think about the noises that accompany mass enemas. Thank you. <laughs> that wasn't part of your, your we work in an audio only format. We need to have a little more respect for, for, for Foley on this program. <laughs> we do not need that particular sound effect to be replicated. Do you think this is, is worse or better than snake handling? Would you be more likely to go to a church oh, man. that might force you to participate in snake handling than force It depends you to on if I am the recipient enema. or the deliverer of the enema. If I were to be on the receiving end, I'd take a snake. If I had to deliver it, I'd probably just go for it. Is this a thing like you want to? I mean, is there something? Do you, no, do you I'm just, you, give you gave me the either or. Enemas so there it is. to strangers? Is no, that... you gave me the either or. I'm just picking a binary choice. Give me my druthers. I'd rather stay at home and watch football on Sundays because I love sports. <laughs> Don't laugh. Uh, in So as far as how they administered these enemas, that was one thing that interested me. Uh, most of the time, especially um, in some parts of Africa, they found these, they would use like a hollowed out animal bone or like a cow horn to administer the enema, mm-hmm. which is a very undignified end for an animal, I have to say. Mm-hmm. You know, although the person's end is pretty undignified at that point too. <laughs> You've got a cow horn sticking out of your butt. Yeah, you probably didn't think it would all shake out that way. I keep picturing one of those cornucopias that you get to like decorate your tablescape at Thanksgiving. Yeah. I mean, I guess you don't put all the fruits and. No, I think you probably want to. I think you probably want to. Uh, probably that probably needs to go to recycling. You're probably <laughs> done with that after a single <laughs> the, use. The horn I would of plenty. think. Oh, come on, Sydney. Sorry. <laughs> so yucky. Uh, so the first enema syringe, the first formal enema administering device, shows up in 1000 AD. Wow. So a pretty long time ago. I tried to figure out who invented it, and it's actually a subject of debate who exactly was responsible. Been a lot of people clamoring to take credit for that. Well, that was kind of my thought, is that it's not, it's not that there were so many people 
who wanted the credit for it, it was everybody was kind of like, I don't know. I may have, I'm sure somebody did it first. It was not, you know, it's not important that you don't need to put my name on it. No, oh man, what if your name was on it? It was a real team effort. What if you called it like the Justin device? I can't do I'm going to need a Justin device. I deserve quick nurse stat Justin device to room five. Um, so there was another popular apparatus in addition to the enema syringe, which basically was a syringe that squirted water up your butt. I mean, we had a little tube on it. It's not much more complicated than that. And when I say syringe, you know, I don't mean needle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just making sure. I'm with you. Just clarifying. There's no needle involved. It's tubing. Thank God. Uh, there was another apparatus uh, that had a tube that was, again, usually made of, of bone, of some, like a hollowed out leg bone of an animal. Uh, and then you would get like a bag that typically was an animal bladder. So then you would attach the animal bladder to the tube and squeeze the bladder that is filled with liquid, you know, through the tube and into the, the tube. Um, and if you picture that in your head, you, nope. <laughs> you may imagine that it looks a little like a bagpipe. Yeah, that would be my, yeah, that's about what I'm visualizing. So in Spain, <clears throat> this was called playing the bagpipes. Ugh. So you could say that. I need to go. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go to the restroom and play the bagpipes. <laughs> Um, they also began to refer to this, the bag as a clister purse. Clister became kind of the word for enemas. So there were clister syringes. Hmm. And this this persists for many hundreds of years. Huh. Um, and there are, in most of the time you would use, you know, just kind of gravity to make everything happen. So you'd probably want to be laying down and like lift the bag up and, you know, you wouldn't want to apply a lot of pressure you know you can damage things so right you just kind of let the water run in and then stand up and let it run back out it's kind of a gravity thing right well in some religious ceremonies i guess you want a little more i don't know pomp <laughs> so you would designate some people as blowers and you can go ahead and guess what no thank their you. job was i'm gonna guess blowing yes squeezing the bladder to make the air come out exactly it, you got to work your way up you know, to that to position squeeze though. it to make the to, to make the water come the out, right. liquid up you don't have water faster, in there that's so good which is dangerous you don't want to do that you know the colon could perforate you get a hole in it if you blasted water up there too hard <laughs> gotta so. be very ginger take you a light to touch blowers careful what you do and most of the time again you know different cultures are using just mainly water like i said sometimes they have an herbal substance in it but but largely just water in some Mayan celebrations, though, they would throw in something that would be kind of fun, like alcohol or something that would be hallucinogenic, which you would then absorb in your system. So you'd get the enema, which I don't know, did you enjoy that? Maybe you did. And then you get really high afterwards. From the... The stuff you just shot up your butt. <laughs> I just want to make you say it. <laughs> and I think... There are... Is, wasn't that a fad in the recent years? Like not that, but kids. But I think there were was women who were putting things soaked in Vodka alcohol. Soaked tampons. Yes, yes. Wasn't that a thing? I feel like that's a Snopes thing. I don't know if that actually was. Going I would on. love to know if that was fake because I heard that a lot. It was something that was talked about in like medical circles. Like you got to be careful now. The kids are using vodka tampons and you don't want to if that, they'll come in drunk and you won't know why <laughs> and then you'll figure it out yeah. you're like whoa very innovative 
This was not a move, by the way. We were not, this was not, no one suggested that we start checking all girls for vodka soaked tampons. This is not a thing. Yeah. No, no. This young med students who may be listening, please don't do that. Yeah. You'll get kicked out of medical school. It won't go well. No. Uh, The Native Americans also added substances to their enemas. Uh, Tobacco was the most popular. And they use this for a variety of illnesses. I think I mentioned this in um, our, when we talked about tuberculosis, it was used for tuberculosis. It doesn't work. No. Uh, but they also just used that for fun to absorb a whole lot of tobacco really quickly. <laughs> that was also, it just felt good, I guess. It just, they felt just, better afterwards. It smells great. So it's like you can like smoking with your butt. It's like smoking with your butt. Tobacco enemas. Is that something, as a former smoker, is that something that all smokers dream of doing someday? Finally. The smooth, refreshing taste of tobacco Injected in my butt. Is that what you'd always dreamed? Would no, happen? dear. No. Okay. Well, I don't know. No, that's not really how it works. Uh, the enema. So as we're moving through history, the enema is popular. It's mainly something that you use in religious ceremonies, but everybody kind of uses it every now and then if their doctor tells them to. But in the 1300s and moving into the 1400s, it it just blew up, so to speak. Uh, especially after King Louis the 11th was saved from death supposedly by an enema he had some sort of an attack i don't know of what and because it's old timey and so they you know throw words around that don't really mean anything right but his doctor prescribed an enema he had it and he got better it's a a miracle cure so he began having regular enemas administered and he even would have his dogs receive enemas periodically it's a noble job guy who had to do that <laughs> big ups to you can you imagine the poor guy in his court who was like you you're the dog enema guy gotta i go, dub thee sir dog enema i gotta go get a smaller tube <laughs> be back later um and then from here enemas really took off by the 17th century uh it was that was known as the age of the enema <laughs> or the age of the clister as it was take known. that renaissance take that <laughs> take that iron age age of the enema there were lots of different enema syringes at that point that you could uh, that you could purchase. If you were less wealthy, you may get just a plain copper or per- porcelain syringe. Uh, rich people had large collections of enemas, mother of pearl and silver enema syringes, I should say. Uh, King Louis the Thirteenth had more than two hundred enemas a year, uh, and some people would have them multiple times a day. Um, it was really though King Louis the Fourteenth, the Sun King, who I don't know, maybe the maybe we should call him the Enema King, because he was the biggest fan of enemas. Uh, they were so commonplace at that point that he would actually hold court and meet with advisors while receiving enemas. You know, it's inti- it's intimidating enough when you meet royalty uh, who understands their their uh, manners, their their etiquette. There's a lot you have to keep in your head, but man, there is no better power play than than having people come to the throne room and you are just getting water blasted in your butt. <laughs> power play. Do you at that point I wonder it's if an like executive move. Do King you think Louis. you're supposed to also Should I join you, your worship? Or is that to- a huge faux pas? Room on that tube for two, King Lou? Don't mind if I do. <laughs> that would be much trickier, you know, uh, 
Prince William and Kate just came to the U.S. Did you, you hear a, about this? Got an enema. No, they didn't get. No, I'm not spreading that rumor. They didn't get an enema. No, they met. Oh, a basketball player, and he put his arm around her. Did you not read about this? No, no, I don't. I don't keep up on the latest. He put his arm around her to pose for a picture, and apparently that's a big no-no. I did not know that, this. That's a. But I, I was reading about this, so that's a violation of royal etiquette. But it doesn't apply to us Americans because we don't know any better. <laughs> that's right. We don't. So. We don't serve them. We fought for our right to put our arm around Kate Middleton. <laughs> So we're not in trouble for it, I guess. The basketball player is going to get off okay. But if he had walked in and they were both getting enemas, how would he have reacted? I don't know. He wouldn't have put his arm around it. That's for damn sure. Probably not. He probably would have stayed away from that. Uh, But anyway, the Sun King had over 2,000 enemas in his career as king. Um, He claimed that it made him live longer. And he did reign for a very long time, so proof positive gosh who knows uh and and they, it was very popular among the upper crust at this point a lot of uh fine ladies would do this mainly for their complexions um and they could either do them to themselves they made these little enema syringes that had bent tips so that you could you know kind of reach around and administer your own enema or you could have your ladies in waiting administer your enema or if you were really modest they came with these uh buttocks covers Oh, that's nice. A little dainty enema. So that you can, you can kind of, I don't, I can't even imagine what that must have looked like, but you cover your butt and then administer the enema through it. I guess there's like a hole in it or something. So nobody looks at your butt while you do it. Perfect. Now, well, I imagine we're, we're getting close to the modern era. What about the 1800s? What did those, what are those hold for enemas? Well, let's take a quick pause before we visit the 1800s and make a side journey with me to the billing department. Let's go. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. What are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky 
podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to... what is it? It's a tool, think of it as the palette. The palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. 1800 said, hit me. I'm ready. I'm ready for the, the, the future past of enemas. So up until this point, you know, doctors were prescribing enemas, certainly, uh, but nobody was really sure. I mean, they were also kind of a fad, so nobody was really sure if they worked or not. Um, and that kind of changed with the endorsement by Nobel Prize winner Ilya Mechnikov, who was a really smart guy who uh, discovered macrophages, which there are a lot of science people and biologists and stuff who are going, wow, right now, and you're just looking at me blankly. But it's really important. Okay. I'll buy it. I'll, yeah. I'll take your word for it. And so the point is, he's a really smart guy who also, you know, and we, I think this is like a recurring theme on our show, a really smart person who won a Nobel Prize for something awesome, but then also kind of dabbled in something that's a little... Sketchier. A little weird. They're looking for their next hit. They didn't want to get into a sophomore slump. What? But how are they going to follow this up is that his thing? Vitamin C. He right. So he also believed in the idea of auto intoxication. Uh, he believed that the enema was very important, or, or colonic hydrotherapy, some way to remove toxins from the gut, and started uh, writing about and talking about the importance of, you know, getting all of these toxic substances out of your colon to maintain good health. And this got gave it a lot of legitimacy that it didn't have up until then. Uh, and this probably helped keep it alive, despite the fact that as we move into the 1900s, it really has begun to fall out of favor with the medical community at large because laxatives have been invented. So if if you're constipated, if they think that you need to be cleaned out, they just prescribe you a laxative. They're not mm-hmm. going to tell you to, you know, blow it out. Exactly. Which would you would think would make sense. You'd think most patients would prefer that. Like here, just drink this Miralax as opposed to let me squirt this stuff up. Then you got to be on the toilet forever. It's just such a hassle though. Well, and they, and this, because of the, you know, endorsement by Meshnikov, as well as the fact that for whatever reason, the wealthy and the famous were still huge fans of enemas. Uh, And so I think that, you know, and we, we've talked about this with other things. If the upper crust is doing it, everybody else figures it's a good idea too. This is probably the purest example of that particular <laughs> grift. And we've talked about before, we did a whole episode on Dr. Kellogg mm-hmm. and his yogurt enemas. Remember that? Yeah. He prescribed yogurt enemas. And, and that was exactly the kind of person who would endorse the enema. It was, you know, the upper crust who would go visit somewhere like the, you know, the Kellogg, what was it? Kellogg Institute. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and this was also along the same around the same time when colonic hydrotherapy really came into vogue. And, and we've already kind of mentioned that, but it's basically the difference between an enema, which is just a small amount of liquid that you, you use like a little, like the little bulb syringe that we use to clean out Charlie's nose. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a larger version of that a with some tubing. Larger. And yeah. you squirt it up there. Colonic hydrotherapy involved machinery and lots of tubing and lots of liquid. Like a reverse milking machine, basically. <laughs> Paint that picture for you. <laughs> well, I mean, you stop. It stops at some point. It doesn't just pump you completely full of, full of water. Unless it goes just, crazy and we reach the singularity, and the machine outsmarts humans, and then it does, and it does that to everybody. Checkmate, Terminator, Judgment Day. <laughs> that's, Extended director's cut. That's what it's really the story of. It's the that's story it's of the story day. Story of the new Terminator movie. The high colonic machine. Became sentient and took over the world. Fudgement day, they called it. Ew, really? Sorry, I did my best. Really? I did my best. Um, you know, puns are outlawed in China now. You can't say that kind I of thing. I did not know that. Yeah. So uh, this was so popular, and you may have heard of this, that in Hollywood, colonics were a big deal. And there's a, I, I have learned this from doing this podcast. I guess there's a particularly famous road, Beverly Boulevard in California. So everybody goes to get them done. Yes. Well, in the 50s, that's where you would go to get them done. Mm. So it was known as Colonic Row because there were so many places that offered colonics to the stars. Awesome. Uh, the So like I said, um, the high colonic is still done today. Most of the time they're just flushing you out with water, but they may or may not add some sort of herbal thing to it. Uh, now the equipment that they use is regulated by the FDA because it is a, a procedure that has risk involved. Uh, but whatever they're doing to you is not regulated by the FDA. So it's not like we prescribe high colonics to people. That's just not not something that we would do. Mm-hmm. It's not a, well, you know, certainly I would prescribe an enema to somebody maybe because they need a, um, because they're completely constipated and, and sick from it. Or sometimes we do that. Uh, well, we don't use enemas so much, but we clean people out before colonoscopies. So we get right. a clear yeah. view, that kind of thing. Um, but we do not prescribe high colonics. Uh, and you got to be careful if you're going to have somebody do one, because as I mentioned, the speed with which they, you know, squirt the water up there, if it's too much, could perforate or, or you know, tear a hole in the side of your colon. Let which, a professional do it, folks. Yes. Don't, let it, don't get cheap. Or or don't do it. Or don't or do it. Or maybe don't. That's another alternative. <laughs> That's I another guess. alternative. But if you are going to do it, I would make sure that it is somebody who does it regularly, who has equipment that is has been approved by the FDA. Um, Not just use... a super soaker. Okay. Don't be fooled. Get real equipment. <laughs> I don't even think you can get super soakers anymore. Well, then, I mean, if, they, if they've been saving theirs. If they've kept on a shelf pristine for this exact occasion. <laughs> Just for this. But see, your bigger problem there is that you're probably going to introduce weird bacteria into your colon if you use a super soaker. That's true. A lot of hose water in there. So that's the other thing. It seems like the the butt's kind of a dirty place, and so it wouldn't really matter if more bacteria got up there. Uh, but it absolutely does. You don't want to introduce weird bacteria into your colon. Right. So no new special unique bacteria. No. So you want to make sure that the so the equipment is approved and that everything they're using is sterile and clean because it could kill you if it's done wrong. Um, and I've I've discovered this too. Some people do it for like like sexy reasons. Oh, like kink. Like it turns them on. Yeah, it's like a thing. Cool. Like I guess that's that some some 
prostitutes will provide that service for you. Very cool. Just like be super safe. Again, just be safe. Uh, yeah, that's the main thing. Make sure everything's clean. Yep. Um, uh, in addition to this, in modern times, it's we prescribe a variety of cleanses. Well, we don't prescribe them. The internet prescribes you a variety of cleanses for weight loss, as well as constipation and detoxification. Um, the cleanse I think you were referencing, at least in part, was the master cleanse, Justin. Yes, the master cleanse, which I think is like, I think I'm not making it up completely. I do think there's like lemon juice and water and like Tabasco sauce or hot it's sauce. right there in my notes. If you oh, want. well, I'm not going to scope your notes. Okay. That would be well, cheating. no, you're close. It's lemon juice, cayenne pepper, yeah, maple syrup, and salt water. That's what I was thinking of. So, uh, so that's the master cleanse. There are also cleanses that involve just juice. Um, and then a lot of like herbal things, like cleanses with like wormwood and. I've looked into a lot psyllium. of juice fast before. I tried it once until I got hungry that day, but I know people. My friend Dave was on one for like sixty days. It was crazy. And I will tell you this: it's not anything from a medical standpoint. We're never going to tell you like you know what you need to do. You need to do a cleanse, or at least I will say that is not an accepted medical treatment. I'm certain there are doctors who recommend it. It's not part of our standard care, right? Um. I have no reason to think that your body can't detoxify itself. You have organs specifically for that. So don't worry about the detoxification. That's not really a thing that happens as far as the idea that food's rotting in your system and and creating toxins and you Mm -hmm. need to clean them out. Um, Obviously, constipation makes you feel lousy and can make you sick, and there are lots of medicines for it. Um, The solution is never a high colonic or a cleanse for that matter. Yeah. Uh, cleanses can cause electrolyte imbalances. They can cause you to become dehydrated. They can be very dangerous and there's no nutrients. So if you're doing it for a long time, you're missing things. Yeah. There are things your body's not getting that it needs. Um, there are also today, in addition to the colonic hydrotherapy or just water, there, there are versions that use clay, that use salt water, that use glycerin. I don't trust any of this. I, I wouldn't. Yeah. And and it's it is, does continue to be used as part of alternative medicine therapy. Hmm. Uh, one last thing that is still popular, even though it was first recommended in 1917, so this has really persisted, is the coffee enema. What's the re- rationale there? The idea initially was that, yes, it cleaned out the colon, but the more important thing was that it would s- so-called stimulate your liver. Um, I don't know how the ca- caffeine would stimulate your liver, but that was the perceived benefit okay nowadays people use it mainly just to clean them out detoxify that's the idea but there have been some claims that it can cure cancer perfect now justin sydney do you think a coffee enema cures cancer no dear i don't and see you didn't even need a medical degree to know that nope i just eyeballed it and just kind of took a shot in the dark uh coffee enemas have killed people Okay, well, um, that's a knock against them. Yes, yes. So you you risk dehydration, you risk electrolyte imbalance, you risk infection. Uh, you also, I've read reports where people will do it when the coffee's still too hot. Oh come on! You can imagine the problems that were result. If you're going to do that. it, at least don't use instant. You're better than that. Get some fresh ground. When we use enemas, we generally don't. You know, in the hospital, we're generally using either soap suds or just water enemas we're not putting like a bunch of stuff up your we don't need a lot of foreign material up there yeah so it's not a good idea to do that in general just don't don't just don't do that don't do that no folks thank you so much for listening to our program today uh we hope you had 
fun listening to it. Thanks for people tweeting about our show at Sawbones is our Twitter handle. Folks like Claw PhD, Heather, Danielle Gallant, Dylan Kane, Nick Taylor, Warmish Crow, Melissa Ranks, Kevin Rushing, Anna Lisa, Jason Parkas, Sarah Rosinski, uh, December Doggy, Olivia Hutton, so many others. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We sure appreciate it. Um, make sure to follow us um, on Twitter there too. At Sawbones is the uh, is a, is our handle on uh, on on the internet. Uh, and there's also at Justin McRoy. If you and, check him out. And she's at Sydney McRoy. S Y D N E E M C E L R O Y. And uh, what else do we have? Thanks to the taxpayers for letting us use their song "Medicines" for our intro and outro of our program. If you have any suggestions for topics or things you'd like us to talk about, please email us. It's uh, sawbonesmaximumfun.org. Speaking of maximum fun, Sydney. There's a ton of great programs over there for you to listen to. That's right. Uh, we got a new one this week to talk about. Um, two new Maximum Fun podcasts, one uh, by by me and my brothers and one by my brother Travis. I want to talk about his show instead of our new one, The Adventure Zone. Travis and Andy Bunker Buddies is a show by uh, Travis and his uh, buddy Andy out there in L.A. as they talk about different disaster scenarios and how you can survive them. Uh, just go to MaximumFun.org and search for Bunker Buddies. You can find that one there. So check that out. The The McElroy family is basically trying to dominate podcasting. That's right, Sydney. We're one step at a time. We're That's gonna, our, We're going to conquer the world one podcast at a time. Uh, if you get a chance to go rate and review Sawbones on iTunes, that would be super nice of you to do. Uh, and uh, that's going to do it for us here on, uh, on, on Sawbones. Oh, oh, oh. We're uh, doing a live show with my brother, my brother, and me, uh, December 21st in Huntington, West Virginia, our hometown. If you want tickets to that, uh, you can get them at bit.ly forward slash Candle Nights Live. They're 15 bucks, and they are going fast. So if you want them, uh, you'll be joining a ton of people from all over the country and Canada and Switzerland who are coming out to the show. So you should uh, you should definitely and do that. It's going to be a blast. This is your chance. If you've been waiting, thinking, ah got to get to Huntington, West Virginia. I've never been there. I've heard so much about it. Finally have an excuse. It's like on my list of places you got to see before you die. This is your chance. This is your chance. So come and do it. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, until next Tuesday, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.